0: It was amazing when I first started seeing pictures of Amy and realized that this little pinup girl, as it's called in the trade, um, on the inside of her right arm, I thought, oh, that's one from a book I published in 1990. It was a sheet of flash. The t- tattoo display sheets are traditionally known as flash. It's a carnival term. Um, and this specific design was actually, I think, originally designed by probably by Pinky Yun, Bing Kuan Yun, who was a great, great Chinese tattooer, originally from Shanghai, when Mao came in, Pinky went to uh, Hong Kong, and he tattooed in Hong Kong for many years. He was really prolific, a fantastic artist, and I think it's one of Pinky's designs. He eventually migrated to Alameda in the 70s. We became very close, but, but then, and then Sailor Jerry got a copy, Sailor Jerry Collins of Honolulu, who was my primary mentor that I worked with in the late 60s. Anyway, I, th- I, I got the tracing of the image from Sailor Jerry, and the original design, I brought um, some, co- maybe I'll take those copies now. Um, some print-offs, this is the um, sheet, and I'll pass these things around that, that I painted up of it in 1990 in a book called Tattoo Flash of design sheets I did. Um, and this has been out of print for a lot of years. But anyway, we can pass these around, people can look at them. Um, but uh, of course I realized when I saw Amy the first time and you know the videos and that, I was like, wow, she's got a lot of tattoos, as most of the music business people do. Um, and uh, and then when, you know, I mentioned this to Rennie and he said, you should do a talk here. So that's great, I'm really honored to do this. And, and I'm crazy about her music and um, the trajectory of her life is beyond sadness. I hope you've all seen the new documentary out that I think is absolutely fantastic. It's not a happy ending, but it's, it's so emotional and it's so great because it's based on really personal home movies. That It blew my mind that they had all this footage of things that, you know, that her friends had shot. and. Uh, Again, a tragic story. But um, the whole the tattoo thing. I was thinking about uh, kind of topics to bring up in relation to her and the tattoos. You know, in the uh, in the old days when I started tattooing, like in the '60s, people really musicians didn't really have tattoos. Um, That came along later. People began to get them. Then Um, I started tattooing some rock and rollers here in the early '70s, and um, uh, and then it grew from there. And of course, and, and, and d- even during the punk period, there weren't too many people with tattoos and then heavy metal and everything came along and it became a huge thing. And tattooing in general uh, is this weird phenomenon. You, I'm sure everyone in the world is aware of how much of it there is now. It's it's a total phenomenon. I think personally that it's the most significant marker, no pun intended of our species an aspect of our species uh, that really identifies the late 20th and 21st century, because there are millions and millions and millions of people with tattoos. This did not happen. When I got into tattooing, there were about 500 tattooers in all of North America, right? And. Um, and I got into it wanting to, I didn't want to proselytize it. I don't know why I was so drawn to it. I was absolutely fascinated. And the key thing that ticked me off was um, my best friend's dad had tattoos from when he'd been in World War II. And I, when I really focused on him, I thought this is a fantastic art. And I was already obsessed with drawing, which thank God my mother encouraged me. I knew that's what I, it was all I really knew how to do and what I wanted to do. So. Lenny Jones's dad had these tattoos and clippership and this and that. And then relating to the music end, he had a tattoo that I thought, even at that age, I thought, this is so cool and poetic. He had Stardust tattooed on his arm. It was his favorite popular song. And so it's like, wow, a, t- a tattoo that's the name of a musical piece. You know, I sort of these—they could be anything. They don't have to be anchors and eagles. At any rate, I pursued it. I got into tattooing, but I got into it again. I don't—I don't care if people have tattoos. I don't know why people get tattoos. I think it is completely linked into, just like why do you make art? It's just another form of art, but it's grounded in this very personal human thing. Um, and so uh, my, my goal wasn't proselytization, but I wanted to get, uh, give context to it because again, when I started tattooing, there had been three books in English the entire century, century on tattooing. That was it. Three books? Yeah, about three books. Yeah, one of them was an anthropological thing in the, about 1918, and there was a populist book in the 1930s that actually included an interview with Lou the Jew Alberts, who was this terrific tattooer that helped codify, he was the first one evidently to do uh, printed flash design sheets for other tattooers to use, um, and, and terrific tattooer, and really a seminal figure. Um, and so I, I ended up with a big collection of his drawings, and hence this book, which you'll see a lot more of two years from now. And I also want to thank Joyce Linker, who's here today, who's a great arts patron and friend. We live in the same building. And, uh, and um, she, when I gave her a copy of the Lou the Jew book, she said, oh, the museum should do a show. So thanks, Joyce. She's got a great photo collection. And the whole, the whole small world thing of the tattooing I, I, I wrote to somebody who's kind of a historian, whose great uncle was a very, very famous tattooer. It was his shop I hung out in when I was a little kid. And she's sleuthing down all this, uh, you know, things about people with, uh, I guess it's ancestry.com. Well, she put me in touch with a woman who was actually a great niece of Lou the Jew Alberts. And I got to meet her in New York when we had a book signing there a couple of months ago. So there's just all this, these crazy connections. Tattooing's got a lot of you know, whatever magic or something to it, along with all the other things you can't even describe or, or get your head around. Um, but it is, it's a great honor to be connected with this, this fantastic young woman, this fantastic artist. And I was trying to think of things that would be at all relevant to say, and, and I think in terms of her as, as an emissary of music that she loved in all sorts of styles, um, an interpreter of it, To me, the tattoo world was like that because I got into it and obviously it was a commercial art and I was doing, I would present people with design sheets of things and then eventually segued into being, offering, to do, create images that people wanted, whatever it would be—not even an image, but a tattoo, a mark of what they wanted to do. And no one had done that before, and that's kind of changed the world for it. But I often thought of it as being kind of like a, a musician or a singer, where you're, you're interpreting other people's things and putting it out there, and you're trying to put your warp on it. You're trying to honor it and maybe bring some new, you know, inflection to it that hadn't been seen before. And and then the and then the kind of quotidian. Content of her tattoos, which are totally classic, what we call classic flash and sentiment. She's got the big one, "Daddy's Girl" over here, and and just very very pop tattoos, um, which became a style and a passion in the probably the 80s. People um, began reappreciating classic. Western tattoo iconography. I got into it because I wanted to introduce Japanese imagery and Asian uh, kind of aesthetics to it. Um, it was a great technical challenge. But now it's all over the board. There are all kinds of tattoos. Um, there, I'll pull one more sheet out of here. That was um, this, this was the first series of books we published. I can pass that around tattoo time. And I, I thought it might be relevant to show that. It's actually a smaller book. This was in 1982. It was the first uh, magazine to address tattooing from a cultural and aesthetic uh, viewpoint, historic viewpoint. But we we chose a title for this, my friend Leo Zulueta and I, who's a great, great tattooer, Filipino-American guy. And Leo was the first one to really begin doing this black graphic tattooing that was non-objective, that just had, it was based on Pacific Island cultures. And we were laying out this magazine by hand, literally pasting it up and doing this, you know, hey kids, let's put on a show, I'm gonna see how this goes. (laughs) And, uh, and I said, we have to think of a name for this look, this, this abstract black work, you know, that's uh, something very different than the prevalent tattooing. And then we, we came up, they said, let's call it tribalism. We'll call it tribalism. And, uh, and I, we thought, well, yeah, sure, that's good, you know. And uh, so uh, about six months after I put out that magazine, I was at a tattoo convention, and somebody came up to me and said, hey, Ed, check out this tribalism I did on my wife's leg here. And I was like, and that was one of those, whoa, because I realized if maybe you got things out in print, I've been a huge book fan forever, yeah. to realize suddenly, whoa, this is something that's happening. And we've made, created a context for things. So, um, and it was wonderful. We did five issues of Tattoo Time. They all had different themes. And I finally gave up on that about 19, uh, I don't know, 1990. But, uh, but we kept publishing a lot of other things. And, uh, just the the idea of like pop culture and popular heartfelt sentiments, I mean the background with tattooing, you know the old stories you read about like the old pirate at the end of the bar and he had these tattoos and then you know a little Jimmy that was on the shipboard would go and say well where did you get that one? Then he'd tell his story. Every tattoo has a story and the tattoo it took me a while to realize because I had a uh, kind of high culture background and you, you can't, I don't think you can judge tattoos, and you can't judge art anyway on, to me, it's like what it is and maybe somebody likes it and you know, who's to say what's right or wrong. Um, but with the tattoos, I, I made a big mistake one day in my shop in San Diego, I was mainly tattooing sailors and Marines. I tattooed on the street there for four years and uh, some guy had this eagle on him and, and I came out with, the, uh, there were two or three guys and I said, God, who, Jesus, who put that terrible eagle on your arm? Well, it was his favorite tattoo. And it was a total art brute tattoo. I knew who did it. In fact, it was one of the Moskowitz brothers in New York They used to tattoo on the Bowery. <coughs> but um, you, you, know, you, I thought, who, it's like William Burroughs always said, who am I to be critical? It's like, this is this person's tattoo. It means something to him. The tattoo isn't just, it's like, yeah, the tattoo, but what's really about it about is the person in, in the tattoo and what it means to them and how they came to get it. And I still love stories of people's, what led them to do that thing. And and if it makes, again, if it makes them feel better about themselves, bully for them, you know, it's terrific. I mean, I do, of course there's tremendous, Realms of antisocial tattooing and negative stuff, just like there are people like that. But, but it was so demonized, and it was so brutalized for so many years. I mean, when I was a kid, even when I started tattooing, it was kind of like, well, were you in the j- in jail or in the navy? That was that was the two things if you had a tattoo. So it was really just opening things up more, and um, I. You know, I I really, it was, of course, one of the first things I noticed when she started getting publicity is like, wow, she's got a lot of tattoos on her. And she got them the way, I think, by impulse, the way a lot of people do and certainly did in the past where it occurred to them that they would, you know, just get something that would, uh, you know, feel like the right thing to do for that occasion. Um, But she was such an incredible, Incredible artist, and uh, I, I wish that I knew. I actually went online and tried to find out maybe it named a tattooer or two that did some of her work. I guess people in London, but I don't really know much did formally she get about her that. Tattoos like early in her career. I think early in her career because actually then I was. I've been sifting through publicity shots, and she didn't. I think this was maybe one of the last ones she got because a lot of the shots. I don't even remember the trajectory of her career. Was it was it four years or something? Two hours. really short but there were several of the early shots, that tattoo wasn't there, and then all of a sudden it was, so. It's just a pinup of a, a woman. It's supposedly, a, um, I think, originally drawn as like a, a, a Chinese woman with a big fan. On the original drawing, which is on my design sheet, it has a Chinese character for love. It's kind of a complex oh, a piece of, yeah, of calligraphy, which wasn't included in this one, so, because when I brought out that book, the red book, Um, We sold a lot of those and I know it went out all over the world and it was meant to be a tool for tattoo artists so they could either cut the pages out of it or use it in their shop so these designs got disseminated and they're not all my original designs and I note on the back of each page in the book where I got the image if I didn't originate it so I'm trying to give some context to it. Yeah there is a background there are a couple of sites that I found that actually go down with photos of each of the tattoos and talk about them a little bit but but again it's this weaving in of different pop cultural sensibilities and and personas and of course she was again channeling these other great singers and songwriters. I love that footage of her and Tony Bennett where he's really encouraging her yeah. because of course anybody with any worth anything whatever their their field of expression is it, they they have to have an enormous amount of self doubt. You know, the ones that are like I'm great, they're not really great. You know, it was really it was really moving to see that, and with his patience with her, and uh, it was it was a fantastic film. Yes. Oh, I, they were done by a lot of people. Um, Say, um, this rosary was done in Japan by, by hand tattooing. I did the waves around my wrist when I got back. That was from '73. Um, some of my favorites. My son put this tattoo on me. This is a, a famous cartoon tattoo, the Humi Duck. Uh, just because I, I like, I have a lot of tattoos that are. I have some great Buddhist imagery. I have tattoos that are really serious. I have really silly ones, you know. But I got the Humi Duck. Um, uh, when, on my 50th birthday, my son had started tattooing about a year or two before that, and, uh, and I got it because I had this terrific tattoo. For a while, I owned a tattoo shop in East Los Angeles in the Vario that was really based on Chicano culture, and uh, friends of mine had run it, and I got this dream woman, it's Mi Vidas en Sueño, and it's based on a very uh, popular song, uh, Spanish song from, this was in, I don't know, mid, to late 70s, something like that, um, early 80s. So I had that, and then when I was 50, I had this space. It's, as a friend of mine once said, it's, it's good. My friend Bob Roberts, who's a great character and artist and tattooer, he always said, well, having that clean skin is like money in the bank. because." If you, if you might need a tattoo, I meet people that aren't even 30 and they're like, I'm almost done, Ed, and they're blanketed. I'm like, you know, you might live a long time and you might realize that you want to get something else. So I had this space. So I thought this worked well because this, you know, my life is a dream, very poetic, serious. And then the Who Me Duck, you know, is totally goofy. So what it's kind woman of. on your right arm on the inside? That one? Yeah. It's just uh, Freddie Negrete, who's a terrific tattooer, uh, a, Hispanic. That, like, no, he just drew it up. Yeah, he drew it on there with a ballpoint pen and just just made it up, and that's held really well. That's from uh, 70, I don't know. Is that someone that like, No, 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 he, I just said, I want a, a dream girl on there. and just I, a dream I, girl. I I love the the title, Mi My, My, My Vidas en Sueño, which harks back to a lot of Chinese aesthetics, or is, you know, the butterfly, is he dreaming he's a man, or is a man dreaming he's a butterfly? And also to the great Goya thing, the sleep of reason produces monsters, so. All right, thanks, folks. <laughs> Thanks very much.